Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you in church. We want to say a public thank you to President Trump. It's nice to see somebody in leadership that recognized the value of spiritual things. Amen. Amen. We want to just let you know which, uh, we're interested in attempting to do everything that we can to conform with the CDC guidelines. Uh, in a lot of ways, it's become a moving target. So we're trying our best. Uh, obviously, we're seating every other row, um, leaving four chairs in between family groups and doing whatever else we can do to be socially distant. I conquered that about 40 years ago. When you live socially distant like me, there's not much change that needs to take place. But we do want to thank you for being part of our family and welcome you back to church. Um, we don't know what is going to happen next week, but, uh, but God's on our side. Amen. Amen. Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have to gather together. We know what that means now, Father, but more than ever before. And we thank you that your hand is upon us and upon our church. We thank you, Father, that there's nothing that's too big or too hard for you. We thank you that you've given us the keys of the kingdom and you're building your church on the truth of the, the revelation truth that Jesus is the Messiah. We love you, Father, and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.
never stopped fighting for you. Never. He never left you. Mm -mm. Praise you, Heavenly Father.
Power, I 
we worship you great is the Lord blessed be your holy name hallelujah <laughs> our God of victory blessed be the name of Jesus <laughs> Lord we worship you we worship you we love you we magnify you we thank you for the greater one who lives on the inside of us, who has held us steady, who has strengthened us, and who has made us a blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the reign of God that falls on this state of California, upon this nation, and upon your church. That there would be a new fervor in the church, and a new fire of devotion unto God. And begin it in us, O oh Lord. For you're worthy of our praise. We magnify and glorify the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to turn up the lights, and I really enjoyed looking around at people as we were worshiping and waving and blowing kisses. So first, do this. This is a virtual hug from Pastor Mike and I, okay, or a whatever, distance hug. All right, and uh, look around and find, see somebody you know and just shout out their name and say hello to them. And uh, wave at them and give them a ver distanced high five. <laughs> distanced hug. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. After you've done that to your liking, you may be seated. Well, as Chip said, it's really nice to have people in here with us this morning. Praise the Lord. You can see that we added a lot of chairs uh, to make plenty of room so that everybody could spread out. And how many of you, uh, you obviously got the email that we sent or heard some other way about the service today, but how many of you actually, okay, these are new times, so you have to tell the truth, okay? It's a new day for the church. You gotta be, gotta be real. How many of you actually read that email? Pretty, 
pretty good. That's actually pretty awesome. Good. All right, we're going to remind you, just highlight a couple of things that we said in it, just to make sure that everybody is aware of it. Um, I know that um, uh, the Lord put on our hearts quite a few weeks ago that we needed to be ready for um, when we did meet again. We knew that, thank the Lord, we would meet again, uh, but we knew we needed to be ready because I know my husband, all of a sudden, without any warning, he will say, we're going to do such and such. You know, when, he, when we moved to California to start the church, we knew that we were coming, but he said, it's not time. And so then, it, well, I don't remember the day, but I remember it was six days, and he told me, maybe you even told me less days. He looked at me one day. He said, well, the Lord told me it's time to go. We need to leave in, it was like four days. I don't remember. Or maybe five. Like we, and I hadn't prepared. I was, I'm wiser now. I hadn't prepared. And so I, I begged him. I go, I cannot get everything ready in that short a time. It, we have to at least have a week. Well, we have now been married this year 39 years. And so... And so I knew, you know, it could happen. And I told our staff this, that on a Friday, he says to us, we're having church Sunday. I just used it as an example. I didn't actually think that would happen. But, <laughs> but then when, you know, President Trump said that church is now essential, it took him about five minutes to go, we're having church Sunday. So... So, I do actually have a point with this. So, we were ready. We had, our, we had all of our policies. We had had meetings. We have things ordered. We still have more things ordered that we're going to use that I will mention briefly. Um, but, um, so, we, so that's why we're able to meet today is because we were ready. And I thought about it the other day, about how Jesus is coming soon. And I thought, how many of the church are going to be ready for his coming. Because the Bible said it's going to be just like that. And we're not going to expect it. I didn't expect that we would have church this Sunday. But we were ready. So I just encourage us. May we as the church live ready. And so live our lives. And have a new fervency that came to my heart. A new fervency. A new devotion to the Lord like never before. That we live ready. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, a few things we want to let you know. Oh, Chip, where are you? I meant to ask you. Oh, come up here. Let's do a, a video. We did this in, um, see, we don't have to be over with church early today. Look, look how good the children are. Whatever they are is fine. We're a family. Okay, so I want you to do like, a, oh, where's your phone? <laughs> do like a video we did this in in uh columbia do like a video and so should we stand or sit i don't know i don't know i just want to document the day because i often don't doc okay but wait but you have to like you can't just sit there like you're in church like you're in some dead church you, we have to, we have to show like we're alive. Yeah, maybe should we do a wave? No, not everyone's going to do a wave. Pastor Mike is going to sit there and just look at us. He already is. He already is, I know. But I can get away with it. I've been married 39 years. Okay, oh, not me. 
Okay, all right, so, so however you want to do it, you're good at it. Just okay. tell them. <laughs> so once I come to you, yeah, right? We'll do one of those, like, we'll kind of pan. Now, here, if I go past you, you still yell. Okay. Right? Okay. So okay, ready? Right. We're going to start with Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Yay! All right, let's do it. Woo, 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 And with that said, if you will remember, okay, we are socially distanced. We had our hand sanitizer. We had our temperatures checked. We followed the guidelines out front that said if you have any of these symptoms, you are not entering today. Our doors are open. Our church is sanitized, okay? And we have other things that are, are happening too. We are following protocol, CDC guideline protocol. And so get your tape measures out. If you're not six feet from another family, you need to scoot over. Okay. All right. Um, so just a couple other things we want to let you know. We are uh, having live stream service tonight at six and Wednesday night at seven in their entirety. We will continue to live stream all Sunday morning services from the top. There are some people that are not able to be with us today, and that's okay. We're, they're part of our family. We're so grateful that they can worship with us uh, via the internet today. Good. Let's all say hi to them. Hey! Oh, that was lame. Okay, say, give them like a big, we're like high church family. Woo! I can't... That was better. That was much better. And so we're glad that they can be with us virtually this morning. Praise the Lord. Um, we um, have, oh, Lauren wanted to let us know that June 24 through 26, they just decided this last week, we're going to have a virtual vacation Bible school for kids. Um, yeah, well, I know they're going to make it good. They, there's like a whole bunch of churches that are doing this um, because we don't know what we're going to be able to do by June. So there's going to be a virtual Bible school. Um, you, it is free, and you can register online um, at, at the foothillfamily.com. You can register there. Um, let's see. Oh, we want to let you know um, we are not going to be receiving an offering by passing an offering um, bucket this morning, but as you uh, as you exit, the ushers will be by the doors with buckets if you um, desire to give by um, paper means today. Um, otherwise, you can continue to um, give by um, uh, texting to give um, or something like that. We do have some offering envelopes also in the uh, even the offering envelopes are distanced. Did you notice? We're into details. We're into the details. Um, okay, let me see. Um, oh, I did want to let you know, we're in the bathrooms, and did anyone, well, I won't ask you that. <laughs> in the bathrooms, what we're doing, should you need to go, um, is um, Lauren and Chad, where are you? Are you here? But they're in the way in the back. Okay, they even thought about dressing like um, 
uh, English butlers today, but instead Chad wore a different type of t-shirt. I won't say in church what that's a picture of. Um, but what they're doing is after every person is in there, just like a six-star hotel, they sanitize the bathroom after you. And um, so if you need to go there during the service, there's Lysol and there's wipes in there so that you can sanitize before and after yourself as well. Um, let's see. I'm just checking my notes. Okay, I think I've said everything I need to say. I do want to tell you about one thing. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know why are we even in a hurry. We haven't been here for three months. <laughs> but we did order, um, uh, we found out about this. They're called electrostatic professional sprayers. And we have ours ordered. And they use them in medical facilities. And this is a, a really cool technology. They use it in hospitals. Um, now, the airlines, some of the airlines just began using them um, in recent, uh, you know, since all this has happened. So they've been using them maybe two to four weeks or something like that. And so um, with this sprayer, like we can do it on the chairs and the, the, the mist that comes out, it's wet, but it, it, the technology, because it's electrically charged, it dries instantly and it wraps itself around that object. So that chair when we spray it, it will be um, wrapped in this, and any bacteria, any virus, anything like that is killed instantly and for two days. Nothing like that can live on it. So um, we thought this was a great thing just to have going forward. It's perfect for our children's classrooms. It will be so much better sanitizing our children's toys. We'll be able to sanitize the floors. We'll be able to sanitize walls. And here's the clicker. They have a great product for restrooms that we can use in the men's restroom. And so, um, you know, you can do the walls, everything. It, <laughs> I got two, two laughs about that. It can wrap around everything. And so it's a, it's a great thing. Also, one of the doctors in our church who is a dentist told us about a thing that's called a fogger, which he is ordering for his office. And this is what the main thing that he's using in his office. We ordered one as well. So we are doubly covered. Um, and it, um, it, uh, kills everything in any water molecule at all. Now he's watching, they're, they're in an undisclosed location out of state. I won't say the name or where, but he's probably watching right now, so I may not get this one exactly right. But he, it, it gets all the droplets out of the air, it sanitizes, it does all of that. So, um, so we are being very proactive. We've looked at many, um, many policies, by many people as well as legal things because we don't want to leave any room for the devil in any way to either accuse us that we're not following um, CDC guidelines or protocol. We have gone over and above actually what churches are required to do. So, um, so we just want to let you know that. And um, Oh, I think, that, I think that's all I have to say. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad? Okay, Chip, come. Why don't you stand with us? We serve a good God, amen. Praise you, Father. 
Father, we thank you for who you are, for what you're doing in this church, what you're doing in, in this nation, Father. That everything that we do today, everything that we say, all the actions we take, that your name is glorified above everything else. For none of this is possible without you, Lord. We give you all the praise and all the honor.
Lord, we bless your holy name. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Father, that there's nothing that's too hard for you. Hallelujah. Open our eyes this morning, Father, to the truth of who we are and the truth of who you are. We bless you, Holy Father. And we thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, you may be seated. I know you've got your kids with you, and so I'm taking that into consideration as far as the length of time that I'm going to minister this morning. But I'm going to start off in Ephesians chapter 6. Throughout this thing, the thing that the Lord has impressed upon me more than anything else is not healing from sickness or disease. Thank God that's available to us. Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes we are healed. But the thing that's really been on my heart is to minister about fear. And so I want to do that for another couple of minutes this morning. We'll pick up from some things that we said last week and maybe go a little bit further as well. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high or heavenly places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Another translation says, withstand when evil attacks you. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Backing up to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, notice it says that the, the key to being strong is having the armor of God, putting on the armor of God. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now this word wiles is a... Uh, it means deceit, but it goes a little bit further than that. It means traveling over. And what the Bible is telling us is that there's one road that the devil travels. He doesn't have a gazillion means or ways in his arsenal to attack us. He attacks us on one road, and that is the road to deceit or deception. Now, we've also seen some things. We looked at some things. Uh, I believe it was last Sunday morning. It's so good to be able to walk again. <laughs> when we were doing this live stream stuff, I'm, well, they put the jib camera right there. And so for, that, uh, for the purpose of that, I was just kind of frozen in place. But when there's nobody in the room, there's not much pull on the, the anointing to teach or anything. So I'm, I'm pleased to be able to walk a little bit. Okay, back to what I was saying. We looked last week at Matthew chapter 14 as an example of how the devil works. Beginning in verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. 
But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. The word contrary means in opposition to. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Notice the situation with Peter. We've talked about this on several occasions, so we won't go into real detail uh, about it. But notice what happened with Peter. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Jesus, which is without a doubt a super miracle. I'm not sure what all laws of physics had to be suspended for him to do what he did and walk on the water to go to Jesus. But then it says when he saw the wind. Now the wind didn't just come up. The wind was contrary. They were fighting against the wind and that was the whole reason for the difficulty they were in. So the, it wasn't just all of a sudden wind showed up or wind appeared. But, but um, what's his name? Peter. But Peter wasn't focused on the wind for just a moment. He was focused on Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, notice it created fear. Now, folks, if deceit is the road that the devil travels, fear is the car he travels in. And notice the connection that it makes. Peter was afraid, and he began to sink. Now, as long as he's walking on the water, he's participating in and enjoying a miracle. Of great proportions. But something changed. Now folks it wasn't just the fact that he was afraid. That fear. He had to have allowed that fear to stop him from doing what he was doing. In other words. It's not possible. For this story. To be the way that it says. Unless he stopped walking. Fear caused him to stop. And notice what Jesus said when he reached down and grabbed hold of him and pulled him back up. He said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Notice the connection he makes between fear and doubt. The fear is what the devil used to influence his actions. And in this case, he was successful. Now, what was Peter afraid of? Well, he was afraid of something bad happening. Now think about this. He's in the middle of the greatest miracle that he's ever experienced. Maybe the greatest miracle of anything he's ever seen up to that point. But instead of accepting, yeah, the wind is strong. Yeah, the waves are high. But I'm walking on the water to come to Jesus. Instead of taking that approach and making the word his, in that sense, he allowed fear to influence his actions. 
And once he did that, then he began to sink. Remember in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. The criteria or the requirement for faith to work is to not doubt in your heart. Well, that's exactly what Peter did here. Peter let fear influence his actions. And that act of fear robbed him of the miracle that he was already experiencing. We saw also over in Mark chapter 5 where Jairus came to Jesus and said, My daughter is lying at the point of death. Come lay hands on her so that she shall live and not die. Jesus starts going to Jairus' house. The woman with the issue of blood comes behind him and, and touches his garment. He stops and deals with her a little bit and commends her faith for bringing her healing to her when the doctors couldn't do anything about it. And then it says immediately while Jesus was saying to the woman, Mark chapter 5 verse 34, Daughter of thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. It says, while he was yet speaking, somebody came from Jairus' house saying, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master any further. Jesus immediately turns to him and says, be not afraid, only believe. Be not afraid, only believe. Now, what is he saying? He's telling Jairus, don't say anything to the contrary of what you've already said. Don't let fear or grief or sorrow or any of the emotions that we might feel if we were in J.R.'s situation after having heard, especially after having heard it's too late, she's already dead. Now, we don't see where Jesus said, okay, J.R.'s, we're going to need to change our confession now. We're not just believing for healing. Now we're believing for the raising of the dead. He didn't tell him that it took a different kind of faith or stronger faith. He didn't tell him that there was anything that he needed to do differently than what he'd already done. He's simply saying, when he tells him, don't be afraid, only believe. He's simply saying, don't speak against what you've already said. So we see in Matthew chapter 14 that Peter failed to conquer his fear. And he only got half of a miracle. We see that Jairus knowing the end of the story that Jesus goes to his house and raises his daughter from the dead. We see that Jairus conquered fear by simply keeping his mouth shut. He just didn't say anything. We don't have record of any word that he said on the rest of the journey. I would imagine that Jairus finishes that journey on the way to his house with Jesus, with his emotions going crazy. But he conquered fear by keeping his mouth shut. The word of faith that he had already spoken was sufficient. As long as he didn't mess it up by speaking against it. Now I want to read to you a verse of scripture from Isaiah chapter 54. Verse 14 it says, In righteousness thou shalt be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear. Now this word for is a causative word. It literally means because. 
In righteousness thou shalt be established. Thank God Jesus was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That means the price has been paid. That means there's nothing that uh, in all of heaven or hell that can be charged against you because Jesus paid the price. So in righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression for thou shalt not fear. Remember Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So certainly oppression would include sickness and disease. So it says thou shalt be far from oppression for or because thou shalt not fear. Here again, we see another proof text that fear is the road, that fear is the, the vehicle, the means of transportation that Satan travels the road to deceit on. It goes on further and it says, and from terror, in other words, it means the same causation for keeping oppression far from us keeps terror from coming near to us as well. In righteousness thou shalt be established, thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near me. Now I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 and plug some of these truths into these verses of Scripture. Verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We could insert there that you may be able to stand against the fear that the devil tries to deceive you with. Folks, if you, don't, if you don't begin to learn, if we don't come to the place where we learn and know how to stand against fear and to overcome fear, we're going to be at the devil's mercy all the days of our life. But on the other hand, if we learn how to conquer fear, there's nothing the devil can do. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the fear and, uh, and deceitfulness of the devil. For, verse 12... For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. Folks, Governor Newsom is not our enemy. He's not our friend. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination. But he's not our enemy. What I mean by that very simply is the devil that's influencing him to take some of the, make some of the decisions, to take some of the actions that he's taking. The devil that's influencing him is our enemy. Now here where it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. If in any area of our life, if we're fighting the flesh and blood battle, we're making a mistake. We're operating in the deceitfulness of the devil. The devil wants nothing more than us to fight against people because then he can get us fighting among ourselves. And then he can stop the word of God from coming to pass in our lives. So he says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Well, what do we wrestle against, Paul? We wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. Now, folks, I don't know too much about what these things are, are referring to. I don't think anybody knows much of it. But why would Paul give us this by the Holy Ghost if he was not clearly showing us 
and revealing to us that there is a hierarchy where the devil's work on the earth is concerned. Apparently, it's going from low level to high level. Principalities must be on the low end. Powers must be a little bit more than that. Rulers of the darkness of this world are higher still. And then finally, the highest level of the devil's activity is spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. Now, let me ask you a question. If we put together what Paul just said by the Holy Ghost about the wiles of the devil, the road that the devil travels, we see from examples that fear is the, is the, the means whereby he tries to deceive us and influence our actions against our best interest and against the truth of the word. He still just travels one road. He still has but one way, and that is fear. To attempt to get us in his car and travel with him rather than against him. Therefore, let's read it this way. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the fear which principalities bring. Against the fear that powers bring. Against the fear that rulers of the darkness of this world bring. Against the fear of spiritual wickedness in higher heavenly places. So what do we do? Well, it tells us what the armor of God is. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day or when evil attacks you. And having done all to stand, stand therefore. Now, he's going to give us a list of things that he says it's important for us to know, important for us to have knowledge of. And every piece of this armor that he refers to is generated by the truth of God's word. So he says we need to have the word of God in us and upon us before the attack ever comes. You want to talk about preparing yourself. Here's how to prepare yourself. So he says, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. The foundational part of the armor of God is to recognize that God's word is true no matter what anybody else says. No matter what other voices claim. Whether they be scientists, whether they be politicians, whether they be preachers. The word of God is what's true. It is not only the final authority, it is the only authority for the strong Christian. Now we've been told that there's this deadly virus that's going to wipe out humanity unless we lock everything down. And if you remember back to the beginning of this, and it's not real easy because of some things, all the things that have transpired. But at the beginning of this, around March for us, mid-March for us, there was such a mass hysteria that was caused by a few people in the medical community influencing government leaders using a model that has since been shown to be completely false, terribly faulty. But the fear of what that model said could happen 
stopped the nation's economy and did the same for much of the rest of the world too. But those of us that knew that Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes we were healed. Look at all the, the fear and hysteria that we avoided. That's why to us, closing churches seem to be ridiculous. But in reality, closing churches that think that God uses sickness and disease might not have been too bad of an issue or too bad of an idea. The last thing anybody that was dealing with the reality of this virus needed were preachers saying God's in this somehow trying to teach us so we're to stand having our loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench a few of the fiery darts of the wicked that can't be that can't be correct then all the fiery darts of the wicked no, no, no. COVID-19 is the, the world killer. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation. I believe that's the renewed mind. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is the only weapon that, that, that this armor of God list identifies. Thankfully, it's the greatest weapon there is, so we don't need another one. Now, folks, this is all about conquering fear by the truth of God's word. Remember, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Well, what areas will it make you free in? Every area. Sickness, disease. Poverty. Guilt, condemnation. This will enable you to overcome everything that the devil's got. Now notice verse 18. Praying. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Folks, do you realize that the armor of God is given to us, including the, word of the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? Do you realize that Paul, by the Holy Ghost, is telling us that this is the way that we should enter into prayer? With the knowledge that the Word of God is true. With the knowledge that we have peace with God because He's on our side. With the knowledge that we've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus with the knowledge that our minds have been renewed to the word of God with the knowledge that the word of God is like a sword that will accomplish what it was intended and sent to do 
Now, what would the Bible be telling us if not pray big? We know how the devil works. We know how to resist the fear that the devil brings through lies. We know the truths that have been revealed from God's word about this armor of God, these different pieces of the armor of God. And then he says, take that to prayer. Do you remember over in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your faults one to another and pray ye one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Then he talks about Elijah. who was a contradiction in terms. He was the man of faith and power who called fire down out of heaven to prove that God was God and not Baal. He's the rough as a cob prophet who destroys 450 of Baal's prophets himself. But then when he hears the threats of the wicked Queen Jezebel, to take his life, he goes running up into the mountains afraid, has a little bit of a pity party, and says to God, I'm the only one that's left, oh, woe is me. And the implication there is, God, you're in trouble because I'm the only one that's left, and I'm running away. So who knows what you're going to be able to do? But it tells us about Elijah. It says, Consider Elijah a man of like passions as us. In other words, he had the same feelings, same emotions, same things to deal with that we all do. And he prayed that it wouldn't rain by the space of three and a half years, and it didn't rain. Now, folks, that's a pretty big prayer. I think that's in a different category than us praying, oh, Lord, give me $100 to make my rent. And apparently, it's okay with God if you pray about climate change. That's what he prayed. He prayed that the climate would change, and it changed. Folks, we need to pray big. We are living in a day where our prayers need to be bigger than us. Let me close with this. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 4. This is after the man at the beautiful gate of the temple is healed as Peter and, and John go into the temple at a certain time. They're called before the religious council, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they threaten them. They threaten Peter and John not to preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Verse 23, and being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God. Now, folks, think this through with me for a minute. How could they lift up their voice to God with one accord when nobody knows what they're going to be saying? It's not like Peter said, now let's get out our hymn books 
and turn to one of the last pages where it has this prayer that we can read together. You can't convince me of anything that happened here in this situation other than they all began to pray in the Spirit. And here's what their tongues sounded like to God. Now, there may have been part of this that was uttered or spoken by Peter and or John as the leaders of the group. But they're all praying together in this manner. And so they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God which have made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. First thing they do is they talk about how big God is, not how big the problem is, not how serious the threats were that were made against them. They recognize this thing's bigger than just us. Now here's how you start praying big prayers. Focus on how big God is. Focus on the size and the strength of the prayer answerer. Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were gathered together. Now, folks, part of what we didn't read about this story was that the council took knowledge of them that they were ignorant and unlearned men. This is too eloquent a prayer for Peter. What does Peter know about the Old Testament and the way God worked? as is described in this prayer. Ignorant and unlearned men means they didn't have formal religious training of any type whatsoever. I believe this is a spontaneous prayer, whether in tongues or English. It's a spontaneous prayer inspired by the Holy Ghost. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and with all the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, only now are they going to talk about their situation. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now, folks, I would submit to you that they've been pretty bold already. If you go back and look at some of the things they said to the council, the Sanhedrin, they start talking about Jesus and then point the finger directly at them. Jesus, whom you crucified, has been raised from the dead. I can't see a wimpy guy saying that when the Sanhedrin has the same ability to put them to death that, it, that they used in putting Jesus to death. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants with it with all boldness they may speak thy word. Now, what kind of boldness is he talking about? The boldness that comes by stretching forth your hand to heal. Can you imagine what this world would look like if everybody in the body of Christ 
came to the miraculous revelation that sickness was always of the devil and that God always heals. I'm not just talking about they hear it preached. I'm talking about coming to the reality of that truth. And it is true. Every part of that is true. But can you imagine what this country and what this world would look like if the church worldwide woke up in the morning after having seen a vision or a dream in the night to solidify this truth and then began to act on it? Folks, we look at reaching the world as such a hard thing to do. But when you've got the Holy Ghost demonstrating the power of God, it's an easy thing to do. Where we run into trouble is when we try to make excuses and preach excuses for why it doesn't happen today like it used to be. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. These men turned the world upside down, folks, with the knowledge of one thing, and that was Jesus was raised in the power of God or by the power of God and delegated that power to us to do the same works on the earth that he did when he was here. That's really all they knew. Some many years later, Peter writes to the church in one of the letters that bear his name that Paul, our brother Paul, shares doctrinal truths that he received from the Lord Jesus, but he calls them difficult to understand. Paul was not a theologian. He didn't have the, the formal training or the religious education. And so a lot of things that Paul shared with the church left Peter scratching his head. But the same Peter that was willing to step out of the boat and walk on the water to Jesus, even though he didn't make it the whole way, even though he was robbed of the completion of it. This guy that's willing to get out there and use whatever he has turned the whole city upside down almost by himself. Imagine if God found just a thousand Peters scattered throughout the church world. Folks, these are the kind of things that I think we're supposed to pray big for. So I'm making a pastoral order from this point forward for this church. No small prayers allowed. Folks, we've got to get past just praying about us. You. you know one of the things about the, the Paul telling his story and talking about his own experience? One of the things that just blows my mind 
is when he's talking about the thorn in the flesh that he identifies as persecution. And he says this. He says, for this thing, talking about the persecution, the, the devil's attack against him. He said, for this thing, I petitioned the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Three times. Now, if it was us, we would have prayed about it three times per hour from the time that we first realized what was going on. But Paul had such a prayer life. He had such a connection with God, no more than what you and I can have. But he had such a connection with God that he's not used to asking for anything but once. So when he says, I besought the Lord about this three times, we're supposed to look at that and say, oh, wow. This must have been really important to you. What kind of prayer should we pray? What does a big prayer look like? For me, a big prayer looks like the glory of God being made manifest in the earth. Folks, we live in a time, and I believe we're entering into it, and I believe a lot of things that happened just this last week have opened the door for us. I believe we're at a time where God's going to make the enemy's plans open and known. And those that have willingly joined themselves to his plans are going to be made to look like fools. That's a big prayer for me. Now, you may be inclined to pray a big prayer in another area. I hope you are. Because things that I'm drawn to are not necessarily the things that other people are drawn to. So you pray your big prayers, I'll pray my big prayers. And God will do big things for both of us and in both areas that we pray. Multiply that by a million. Maybe the big prayer should be, the first big prayer maybe should be that that million open their eyes to the truth. Folks, something happened Friday when President Trump declared the church is open. Beth read me something she read this morning online where the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has declared that the president can't override the governor's authority concerning the lockdown in the states. Well, who would have imagined the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals would be against the church? I'm sure that caught you by surprise just as much as me. I'm excited about the times that are ahead of us. This is not church as usual anymore. It's bigger. You're exactly right. It's bigger. So let's all stand together. Please make sure not to touch anybody.
Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you with a big prayer. We know that you are God. We know that you created heavens and earth. We know that in your hand there is power and might that none can withstand. Father, we pray for the church. We pray that you would grant unto us boldness to speak your word. By stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done in the name of thy holy child, Jesus. We pray, Father, that there would be such a move of the Spirit of God that would sweep the earth, that would sweep through Christianity everywhere on the planet so that our eyes would be opened, miraculously opened to see and know who you are, what Jesus has done, and who he's made us to be. Father, we pray that the plans and the workings of Satan would be in, revealed and exposed. We pray, Father, that those who willingly join themselves to the devil's plans and his operations would come to ruin. Father, we pray for our president. Thank you, Father, for our president. We pray that he would be filled with wisdom to know what to do and how to do it and when to do it. And we pray for his advisors that they would be directed by the divine hand of God and give him godly counsel. And Father, we pray for the rain. Elijah prayed that it wouldn't rain and it didn't. We pray that it would rain by the Holy Ghost. We pray for lightnings, a display of your power, and a manifestation of your presence, even the glory cloud itself. We pray that there would be such an awakening in the whole world that it would surpass anything and everything history has ever known. We pray that you would raise up prophets to speak to kings and to nations even as in the days of old. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. Father, we thank you for forgiving us for being small-minded and concerned only about ourselves. But we commit to you from this day forward. We'll pray for the precious fruit of the earth. We'll pray for that that benefits and provides for your church worldwide. 
Holy Spirit, sweep through this place. Father, when the disciples prayed these kind of big prayers, you shook the place where they were praying. I don't care if you shake the property, Father, but shake the individuals. Shake the Christians. Lord, we believe what your word says that you never leave us nor forsake us. So we boldly say, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man will do unto me. We bless you, Father. And we thank you for a great awakening. In Jesus' name. Now let's spend just a few moments praying in other tongues. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Well, I'm not trying to keep you here to pray a long time. First and foremost, I wanted your kids to see that you pray in tongues. Let's lift our hands and thank our Father one more time. We worship you, Father. We thank you. Thank you for choosing us to live in this day and time. In this, the finest hour of the church. We declare that we walk in health. Because Jesus took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And with his stripes, we were healed. We thank you, Father, for making us a conduit of that healing power to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're supposed to ask you to leave through these back doors here of the sanctuary. Huh? After they finish singing? Okay. See, nothing's changed. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and don't forget also about the offering. The ushers will be back there with the offering buckets if you'd like to give their offering envelopes in the seat around where you're located and so forth. So we love you. Don't forget, tonight and Wednesday night we'll be back with live streaming. But we'll be back here Sunday morning at 930. 
God bless you. Praise you, Lord. He's good. Amen. Family, we're going to sing one more song together. Isn't it good to be here? Praise you, Father God. Praise you. You are here, moving in our midst. We worship you. We worship you. You are here and turning lives around. We worship you. We worship you. You are here and working miracles. We worship you. We worship you. You are here, touching every life. We worship you. We worship you. Sing Waymaker. Because you are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are.
to be back together. Thank you that your name is glorified in every single thing that we do, the words that we say, the way that we interact. God, don't let it stop here. Help us take your spirit into this world to make a difference, to be your hands and feet in Jesus' name. Well, family, we love you. We thank you so much for being here this morning. Thank you for cooperating and making this all possible. We're gonna have some ways that we're gonna dismiss. We'll start with the back sections. You guys can head out the back first. Do your best not to just herd up like a bunch of cows. The ushers have cattle prods in case you need to be reminded to stay. And then